Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So when it comes to selection and you're choosing somebody to be with, how do you know if it's them, if it's them and the timing, or if it's you and them together? I've come to believe that timing is timing is is pretty paramount mm -hmm. to these things there's wiggle room in there you can be kind of ready uh, thinking of, you know your life has shifted and you meet someone who pushes you over the edge mm -hmm. and you go wow okay I, you know and it, you evolve you have a growth spurt a little quicker than you would have had if you hadn't met them um I don't have too much faith in relationships where the timing is horrible and someone is absolutely not ready and someone doesn't is, is adamant against a relationship and someone comes along to change their mind. And you don't think in those moments they should tell themselves, well, maybe it's just timing and I should stay with them. Because the, I think that that becomes a lot like, oh, well, maybe in a year or two when the timing is right for them. Well, firstly, you staying with them isn't going to make them more ready. <laughs> in, in some ways, you stunt their development by staying with them. For a lot of people, it keeps, them, it, it keeps them in that phase of not being able to work through the things they need to work through in order to become ready. Mm. Now, look, that's fine. If you're, if you're a certain age where you're just enjoying being with someone and you're also willing to say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm happy to lose three years here. I'm, I'm, I, and I wouldn't see it as a loss because I just love this person and we're having a great time. And if, you know, if at the end of three years, they're still not in a place where they're ready, I've got plenty of time to go and do the things do I want to do. Do you think people actually say that? Or do you think like, oh, it was three years. And then three years, you're like, but I've spent this long. Yeah, like, the, there's the, that. This is called the sunk cost bias or the sunk cost fallacy. Right. Pot committed. Yeah. We, when we keep throwing good time after bad. The, the fallacy is that because I've invested this much time and energy, I, should, I now have to make it work. Th that is the easiest way to throw away your life. Uh, you, you mustn't. You, I, I can't stress this enough. Mm -hmm. People must not do this. You have to assume that what someone's telling you about what they want is the reality. If they're telling you they, they don't want to get married or if they're telling you they don't want kids or if they're telling you that they still want to play the field, you have to, have to, have to take that at face value. Mm. It, it doesn't matter how much you want the thing. It's not going to change because you want it more. Someone's not going to love you more because you love them more. It is a terrible, terrible wager that people make. People for whom it's the wrong time aren't even usually emotionally open enough mm -hmm. to see the person in front of them for all that they are. You, you, don't, you don't really know people because you don't really get to know people on that level. If you're not serious 
if you're not genuinely looking to build something amazing, you can have a connection, you can have chemistry, you can even love a bunch of things about a person, but, but you're not as invested in knowing them, in their journey, in really building something deep together and uncovering more about each other and, and being curious about the deepest parts of them. You, you're, you are closed off to a certain level of connection. So when you're with someone and you think they're in love with me, I'm in love with them, but they're just not ready. You're discounting the kind of relationship you would be in with them if they were a kind of person that was ready. It, wouldn't, it would be different to the one you're in right now. You're convinced this is a relationship that has the depth you're looking for. But if you're with someone who's not ready, they're holding a piece of themselves back still that you don't even know they're holding back. That you can't even feel they're holding back. Because it's not visible and you can't know what they haven't shown you yet. I really believe that we should if for anyone out there who is looking for a real relationship, you should prize meeting someone. I'm not saying go into every first date asking what are you looking for, but I really? am- Really? You wouldn't? I think I, just naturally, well, I think can, I would have. Well, you can actually say that everything's tone. Yeah. If you can say it in a very conversational way, like, you know, how's your experience on the apps? I don't know what you're looking for. Like, are you- are, are you someone who's on the apps because you're, you're excited about meeting someone special or are right. you just having fun? Yeah. Like it, you almost, when you're throwing out a serious question, you don't have to say it in a really serious way. Mm -hmm. You can ask a serious question in a casual way. Sometimes that's even nice from the point of view of, I, I want you to answer honestly. So I actually want you to be relaxed. Mm -hmm. And I want you to not feel like there's pressure in your answer. I don't, maybe I don't even necessarily want you to know that there's a right answer right now. I just want you to talk to me. Just tell me about yourself. So it's, it's not, I don't think you can't ask. I'm just, you know, it's not about, you don't have to put someone on interrogation sure. in that first date. But I do think that we should be looking for someone that we know is actually open to a real relationship. And anyone else, it's a waste of time. Mm. But Matt, I met someone and they weren't ready and blah 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 and now they are and we're together and whatever good for you that's great that's you're the exception because for mm -hmm. every one of you i can list 20 people who staked their time and their lives on someone changing and that person didn't change mm -hmm. now there's lots of nuance in this if someone tells you i'm not sure i'm ready then you, you have to do some calculations. You have to say, okay, I like this person. They're saying they're not sure I'm ready. That's an immediate giant red flag. It's not them saying, by the way, I'm not sure I know you well enough yet. That's fine. <laughs> That's That's, let's get to know each other better then. Yeah. If they're saying, I'm not sure I'm ready for a relationship, that is a giant red flag. They are telling you today, I am going to hurt you. In case you didn't hear, I am going to hurt you. They're telling you to your face that you are going to get your heart broken here. So you have to make a decision with that. Do I want to continue to invest in someone who says they're not sure they're ready for a relationship? Mm. Do you really want to do that? Now, you may say if you're 25 and you're like, well, whatever. Yeah. Then I'm just going to have fun and we'll see where this goes. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not judging that. Right. But if you find yourself at a stage in your life where you, you know you are ready for something real 
and you're excited about that. And you've got someone in front of you who isn't just assessing whether you're right for them, but is assessing whether a relationship is even exciting to them. Why get into that situation? Why bother? Why spend the time? It, it's, it's like someone on the street. It's hard enough to sell someone a car who wants a car. Because <laughs> they have options, right? You want a car. Well, I'm in the Honda dealership. I'm trying to convince you that you want a Honda. Don't go to Ford. Hondas are great. This is going to last you forever and it's safe. And I'm going to take, like, I'm, don't go to, I, that's a hard enough job as it is. I'm already competing with every other car manufacturer in the world. And I'm not just competing with those, I'm competing with all the other dealers. Right. I, the I need cars. my commission. Exactly. <laughs> but imagine walking up to someone on the street and trying to sell them a car when they don't even want a car. Mm. You're trying to sell them a Honda and they're going, but I don't want to drive. Mm. I'm not sure I even want to drive. I really like my bike. All your work is ahead of you just to get them to want a car. Now you've got to convince them to want a Honda. And even that word that you said as well, by the way, convince, even that I would repeat to myself because I don't like how that would make me feel. <clears throat> if someone's with me, they should be with me because they want to, not because I've convinced them. Yeah. And even just that, even if I get the end goal of being with them, the path itself to get there is like night or day. It's like if they got there on their own, amazing, like Tom. But if I had to convince oh them and give them God. every reason why they should be with me and they finally do, I'm never going to be secure. There's always going to be sure. that complete insecureness. A relationship's hard enough when you're excited about right. one. Right, yes. When you want one, it's hard enough. Mm. And the journey of going from being more excited about being single or not just wanting the hassle of a relationship and, and enjoying being your own, the journey of that to I'm really open to a relationship. That's something that feels right to me in my life now. That's not an easy shift. That takes time and it takes growth and it takes having lived a little and having explored things and realized what it is you really want in life. It's not, that's not like a, a, a quick little, I woke up this morning and wanted a relationship. Mm. It's a shift in the way that I'm thinking about life and what's fulfilling in mm -hmm. life. You really want to take on the role of making that shift for someone else. And you want to stake your time on that. Love isn't enough. It's not. Compatibility is crucial. Love isn't enough. You need compatibility too. And people throw away their lives on this notion of loving someone so much. I just love them so much, I couldn't let them go. And they were willing to, to sacrifice their life, their happiness, their soul, eroding their confidence in the process. Because when you're not true to yourself and you're not making yourself happy and your needs aren't being met, you start to hate yourself, you resent yourself, and you, and you loathe yourself even more because you can't walk away. And now that makes you feel like you're not strong eroding your sense of joy in life, praying, hoping that one day your needs will be met. You are in a relationship with the person you are with today, period. That, that's who you're in a relationship with. And that's, assume that the relationship you're in right now is the relationship you're gonna be in forever. 
And if that's not tenable for you, get out. Leave that relationship. The relationship will change and evolve. Sure, all relationships do. Esther Perel said, some people have multiple partners or have multiple relationships in their lives. Other people have multiple relationships. It's just with the same person, <laughs> right? And that's true. We're all, even if we're with the same person, we're going to have many different relationships with that person. But assuming that the relationship that evolves is going to fit the template that you want for somebody else, that's fantasy. Jacob M. Broad said, consider how hard it is to change yourself and you'll realize how foolish it is to expect that you can change somebody else. We wake up in January and most of us want to go to the gym. Most of us want to lose a few pounds. Most of us want to get in better shape. And three weeks later, we're eating pizza and doing the same things we've always done. Right? That's how hard it is to change. It's hard to change when we want to change more than anything in the world. It's hard to quit smoking when you know you're going to die from smoking. So what makes, what's this arrogance that we think that we're powerful enough to make someone quit smoking who doesn't even want to quit? That we're powerful enough to make someone want a, want a relationship who doesn't even want a relationship? It's not that it, there's never a chance that it could go in your favor. It's that you would be a fool to stake your time on the idea that it will go in your favor. And life is so painfully, painfully short. How much time do we have? You'll never, you're 33, you'll never get 33 back again. You get to be 33 once. The decade of your 40s, you get to do it once. You don't get to come back and do your 40s again. Time, it is so short. And there are people I love in, in this lifetime more than anything who, who, who I wish I could have got to sooner and given them this information sooner. I'm so, I say this so forcefully because there's someone watching this interview right now whose life can actually be saved by hearing this right now instead of not hearing it. That's why I do what I do. I'm sure it's why you do what you do. You know in your heart that if you can be a new piece of input at the right moment in someone's life, that they just, someone's watching this right now, they just chose to watch this YouTube video. They didn't know you or they didn't know me. They're just like, they like the title and they watch this YouTube video. But because they watched it, this will change the course of their life because they won't lie to themselves anymore. They've been in this situation with this guy who's been giving them the same line for five years about, eh, I don't really know what I want, but she stays anyway because she loves him so much. Well, this might be the moment where she watches this video and goes, fuck this. This is not... I." I'm never again going to stake my life on the idea that this is going to change. Let me find someone who has the same outlook as me, who has the same goals as me. That's why I do what I do, because you can, you can save someone's life by getting them the right message in the right moment. But people need to hear it. And to hear it, they need to know just how high the stakes actually are. There are things that, that are life and death decisions, not because making the wrong decision will literally kill you, but because it will be the, the death of the rest of your time in this world. It will be the death of your happiness. It will be the death of your soul. It will be the death of your confidence. And, and then what is life? What's the, what kind of life are we living? If the next 30 years play out with me being unhappy and me not having my needs met, I'm so afraid to leave. Well, be afraid of staying because what kind of life are you going to have if you stay? 
the, 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 the pain that you're in right now, you're going to feel pain either way. Leave or stay, you'll feel pain. You know, you'll feel pain if you leave. You will. You will. It's not you're going to leave and you're going to feel like you've done the wrong thing and you're going to be lonely and you're going to feel like you're never going to meet anyone again and you're going to be heartbroken. You're going to question yourself. You're going to doubt yourself. All of that is true. But you have all this pain staying here anyway. So at least have the pain that's a question mark. This pain is a period. It's not a question mark. At least leaving means possibility. Promise, hope, something different. My God. Be honest with yourself about how miserable something's actually making you. Whilst you're being honest about how much you love someone, about how much you, you know, it's hard to let go about how much you really care about them. Be honest with yourself about how miserable you are too, because that's the part where people lie to themselves and they lie to their friends and they put on a brave face. How's it going? Oh, it's good, you know. Yeah, everything's going okay. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. And they're miserable and they're anxious and they're depressed. Don't lie to yourself about that. Fine, give the relationship the honest try. Tell someone what you need. Tell someone what you want it to be. Give your all. See if it can be that. But stop lying to yourself if every time you turn the page, it's the same page of writing. So I suppose there's almost a distinction to make between toxic behavior and mismatches in investment. Because mm -hmm. someone can be toxic. There could be red flags that tell you that someone is really going to be poisonous for your life. But then there could just be red flags that we are not on the same page. Okay. It's yeah. not that they're toxic, but our intentions are not the same. What we're willing to put into this isn't the same. So I think... I'm going to be utterly honest. There is little more damaging to your confidence than feeling weak and helpless and just struggling to get the care that you actually need from your doctor. And trust me, guys, I unfortunately speak from experience because when I was struggling with crippling, crippling gut issues about nine years ago now, it took me years, years to find a doctor that not only could I connect with, but a doctor that actually would listen, wouldn't gaslight me and actually take my words and my experience as truth so that they could actually eventually help me heal and not just to give me another freaking pill and then push me out the door. But now, my homie, you don't have to struggle to find the right doctor for you anymore and that's thanks to ZocDoc. ZocDoc is an absolutely free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and then instantly book appointments with them online. And with ZocDoc, you can actually filter by insurance, location and specialities to find the perfect fit for you, not for your friend, not for anyone else, but for you. Plus, on top of that, you can actually go and read verified reviews from real patients to find the doctor that you can actually trust. And typically, wait times for booking an appointment are days, not weeks. Because let's face it, when you're sick, you need to see someone right now. So my homie, do not, I repeat, do not neglect your health. Instead, go over to ZocDoc dot com slash lisa and download the zocdoc app for absolutely free then find and book a top rated doctor today that's zocdoc z-o-c-d-o-c dot com slash lisa zocdoc dot com slash lisa i suppose one that could fall into both categories is where someone's words don't match 
their actions. Can you give me an example? Well, you know when you, you, you know when you go on a date with someone and uh, you know they start professing things, their their feelings for you, and you go, how could you feel this so quick? You know, like this is seems a lot, very quickly. You know, they're ready to write poetry for you after one date. They're they're ready to, you know, they tell you, oh my god, I've never met anyone like you. You're so incredible. You're after if someone's saying all of those things after one date, that's a bit of a red flag. To me, because they don't really know you.、Mm. Whatever they're saying has to, in some part, be to do with their projection of you, what idea they have of you.、Mm. I feel the same way when someone comes into an interview with me, and they're, you know, if they're trying to work for my company, but the way they interview is like, I will. Go to hell and back for you, and I'll do this, and I'll do that, and I'll do that, and I've just—I—I am so excited to work for your company, whatever. And I'm like, but you haven't even asked me any questions about my company. Like, I know that you're saying this from what you think from the outside, but you don't know what it's like working on the inside of my company yet. So you don't even know necessarily how much you'll enjoy it. And and so I think that when someone is saying something that's not been earned yet. By the point in relationship you're at, that is something of a red flag. So I think there's red flags in terms of is this person saying things that aren't earned by how much time we've actually spent together and how much we've actually got to know each other? Because if they are doing that, it's probably not based on me. It's based on an idea they have of me or just a way they want to feel, a way they enjoy feeling, and maybe they've enjoyed feeling that way five times in the last year, and they're they're addicted to that rush, that feeling. Uh, and of course, you know, a classic sort of—I don't like to say trait of a narcissist. I prefer narcissistic leaning trait <laughs> because I think that narcissist is a word that's thrown around so、mm-hmm. casually these days. Like everyone's a narcissist. I think there's a there's a narcissistic streak in all of us. You know, we're all we've all got some in self indulgence that rears its head, and we spend most of our lives trying to. Depart from that to be the best we can be, right? To try and be more giving or or be less focused on us all the time. I, I think we all have that that streak in us. Some more than、mm. others, and some are, you know, we can say are genuinely diagnosable as narcissists. But we're we're throwing it around way too casually. Do you think then labeling things toxic is now becoming a thing, just like narcissism, where we're labeling things in order to Be able to dis- dismiss someone. Well, okay. So this, so that is. There's something that hits on the crux of it in what you just said. Some people are genuinely exhibit toxic behaviour. I think sometimes it's dangerous to say someone's a toxic person.、Right. They exhibit toxic behaviour, and sometimes, like some of us exhibited toxic behaviour in 2014 and not in 2015 because we were in a healthier place ourselves. You know, we've.、Mm. Most of us have probably had toxic moments in our life. That's not excusing someone who's、right. going through that. I'm not saying you should put up with someone who's going through a phase where their energy is toxic, but you know, I think there needs to be some separation between labeling someone a toxic、mm. person and saying the way they're behaving is toxic or the effect of their behavior is is toxic. You could be with someone where every time you're vulnerable, every time you Expose yourself a weakness, a wound, something that's wrong, and you do it in the right way. I think there's a right way and a wrong way to do it, and I'm a big believer in the idea that we often scare people off. You know, we have our favorite weapon, 
some, when we're scared, when we're hurt, when we're wounded, we have our favorite weapon. Mm -hmm. Our favorite weapon could be passive aggression. Our favorite weapon could be the silent treatment. Our favorite weapon could be storming off. It could be attacking you. We all have our favorite weapon. And I think we often scare people off in relationships, not because of our wounds. We scare them off with our weapons. The problem is someone doesn't even see our wound because our weapon is so busy trying to like we're, Hide we're, the wound, right? Exactly. And really what's happening is this wound is screaming for attention, right? I, I, please heal me, give me attention, make me feel better. But we, we like to get that attention in ways that feel safe to us. So the reason we get passive aggressive is because if I can, if I can get sarcastic or if I can give you a little jab, if I, then I get attention, but I get it in a way that feels safe because my wall is mm -hmm. still up. The problem is it doesn't help me with my wound because it doesn't help you get closer to me, which might help heal me. It doesn't help you know me better. And you'll spend so much, so much time trying to defend from my weapon that you can't ever actually step in and help heal my wound. And so what I would say to flip that is when you, are, when you get good at being vulnerable with your wounds, and do it in a classy way. And doing it in a classy way is bringing it to someone in the right way. Mm. And it's also bringing it with the right frequency. Mm. Being vulnerable isn't me telling you the same insecurity 10 times a day. That's not <laughs> vulnerability, that's dumping. I'm making you responsible for, for my emotional state every time I feel it. That's not the same thing as vulnerability. Vulnerability is I'm insecure about this. I'm just making you aware. Ownership is the next 10 times I feel it today, I know you're already aware, so I don't need to tell you every time I feel it that I, I have to do the work myself. That's where, that's where ownership comes in. So both ownership and vulnerability have to dance together. But when you feel wounded and you bring it up the right way, I would say toxicity is when being vulnerable only, when, when being vulnerable with a person hurts you more. Instead of soothes you. Yeah, when, when it actually inflames and aggravates and makes things much worse. When you're made to feel embarrassed, judged, humiliated, less than, unworthy for the vulnerabilities that you try to bring to the table. Then there's something that's broken about the way you relate to each other in the relationship. And that then can become extremely damaging. Um, where there's a difference in energy, where there's just a difference in effort, that's where people have to be very careful because that's where people start labeling, they're a narcissist. Well, okay, I get, there's different when someone has truly misled you. You know, mm -hmm. someone painted a picture of themselves as one person and then they turned out to be something completely different. That, by the way, can happen to any of us. And it has. If you've been dating long enough or been in business long enough, that's happened to you somewhere. 100%. So that's life. You know, people reveal who they are, not through their words, but through situations. And you have to, in order to really see who someone is, you have to see them in, in enough situations. Mm -hmm. So you, that doesn't mean distrusting something they say about themselves. Someone can tell you something about themselves and you go that I, I take you at your word. Mm -hmm. But that's not the same as investing based on those words. You still allow someone to reveal themselves through their actions. But if you're finding that ah, I'm really noticing that my energy is in a different place to somebody else's. I seem to be giving more than they're willing to give. 
instead of allowing that to keep going and going and going and going and going to the point where you become so bitter and resentful at it that when they finally leave or it finally truly breaks down, they're a narcissist or they're a mm. terrible human being. Instead, we have to catch it, catch it early enough because this is a major red flag, right? Oh, it seems to me we're in like month one or, or we're in week four or we're in week eight or month three. And I still just feel like I'm willing to give to this more than the other person is. At that point, you have to notice that there's a gap. Do you think that that's a problem? Like, don't you think people should actually ask, am I willing to do this? Because sometimes some people may consciously say, yeah, I want this relationship so much that I want to give more than them. Or do you think that that's, it will never work in that situation? If you like, if you want it so much, you're willing to give more than them. Yeah. Well, here's where your feelings don't matter. Mm-hmm. Like, Go on. I'm so, I, I really, you know, like I, I remember doing an interview once <laughs> with someone that had a t-shirt that said, your feelings are valid. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, are they? <laughs> Why? Explain like, I that get, to me. I get the context that no, that's you're... used sometimes. Like sometimes if, for example, you're in a long-term relationship and your partner has an insecurity about something, right? Now that security may be unfounded. It may be irrational. They may be jealous about something that's nothing. Mm. But in a sense, their feelings are still valid. The rationale might not be valid. Ah, all right. right. The rationale might be complete nonsense. And we've all got there. I mean, the number of arguments I've caused in relationships where a day later, I'm like, what was that? What did I do? And I I really think one of the big mistakes in relationships is assuming bad intention where it can be adequately explained by ignorance or <laughs> just someone not thinking, you know, but we go to the worst possible motive. You, you were trying to screw me over. You were trying, like, you didn't care about me at Why all. Why do you, we jump to that? We're immediately rushing to confirm our worst suspicion, which is that we are a wretched piece of shit mm. that isn't lovable. Is that that like out of like defense, kind of like protect your heart so just assume the worst so you don't, so when it happens, you're not disappointed? Perhaps, or perhaps it's just catastrophic thinking. Like you you Mm -hmm. do something that that inflames uh, uh, my deepest fear or can be connected to my deepest fear. And we're amazing storytellers Mm -hmm. as human beings. So we're very good at drawing these connections between things. We look for narrative. This fits my narrative that I'm not good enough for you. This fits my narrative that, that people can't be trusted. Mm-hmm. That if you're out, if you're, if I'm not in sight, you'll try to get away with murder. This fits, you know, if we have a narrative, we, we will find these grains of these, these tiny granular actions that we can connect to that narrative because it's, 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 it's that immediate, I'm confirming my worst fear. I'm, this is, Look, see, evidence. It doesn't mean the thought is valid, but the feeling can be valid, right? So in that context, I believe feelings are valid. If you go into a relationship thinking my partner's feelings aren't valid, you're in trouble, (laughs) right? But the reason when I see that T-shirt and it's like, your feelings are valid, I cringe a bit. It's because I think of all the situations in which your feelings are incredibly dangerous. And... 
One of them is in the situation of really liking someone or loving someone and using that as your justification for continuing to invest and invest and invest and invest to make it work long beyond the point where the evidence suggests that's a good idea for your mental health, for your time, for your energy, for your other relationships which suffer because this is poisoning you and you're miserable and you're giving your worst energy to everyone else in your life who can see that you're breaking down. But your singular mission right now is to get this person to love you back. And you, Lisa, I have heard this argument over and over and over again. Someone is going through a breakup and the other person has told them it's not it's not, they don't want to make it work. The other person's told them, oh, I just, you know, the classic is I really love you. You're the love of my life. But if there's a but, why tell me the first sentence? The first sentence is irrelevant if there's a but coming. It's the shit sandwich, isn't it? It is, but it's, this is for you. This is so you can feel like the hero on the way out. But when someone is exiting a relationship, when someone is saying they can't be with you, you have to be really honest with yourself and say, is, okay, they're telling me that they can't be with me because whatever reason, but they're telling me how much they love me and how they truly want to be with me, but they, they, I'm the love of their life. But you have to ask yourself, if I was them, and I loved me the way they say they do, what would I be doing right now? Mm -hmm. What sacrifice would I be willing to make? What compromise would I be willing to make? And if they're not making that, then you have to say, they either don't love me as much as they're saying they do, or we have completely different standards for how much we're willing to fight for each other. Either one is bad. Either one doesn't speak to a situation where you should continue investing. But what people will do is they'll come to me and they'll say, Matthew, I'll say, why do you keep texting them back? You broke up. They keep reaching out. Okay. Why is this relevant information? Are they reaching out saying I made a giant mistake and I'm ready to invest on the level that you want me to? No, I mean, they're saying that they really miss me and that they really love me and that they're really sad. Okay. So zero information. Tell me what information that represents. Tell me what advancement that represents. Tell me what progress that represents. Other than just this fatic speech that's designed to elicit emotion without any form of progress. That is either because they're just deeply sad and they're too selfish to realize in this moment that this is hurting you to reach out this way. And it's only good for them because they can still get their validation. Or that they want to check that you're still there. Are you still there? I mean, saying, I really miss you. Are you still there? Tell me, tell me firstly how that's loving towards you when they reach out to you. The problem is we get this message from this person and we go, oh, they're still thinking of me. Right, it gives you the chemical rush that makes you feel good about yourself. Lisa, it's like home. It's like home just came back. That's what it feels like. You, you're out in the wilderness, you're in the abyss again of being single, of the horrible wild west of dating that you didn't want to go back to, of wondering when you'll meet someone that you have such a strong connection with again. And then in all of this 
darkness, home reaches out in the form of this blue light emanating from your phone and a set of letters that happen to form a name that you have been <laughs> conditioned to, to feel something when you see it on a Pavlovian level. You see that name on your phone and you can't help it. You're, it's anchoring at that point. You've, you're, your emotions are anchored to that name. But tell me how you reaching back out to him is a loving act. I don't get it. I, I, it's the, it, you know, it's, it's out of love. I, I, I want to, you know, what someone once said to me recently, but Matthew, I always want to lead with love. And I said, so let's break that down. If that's truly your ethos, if that's your philosophy, let's break that down. Is reaching out to him, if, if either reaching out to him or replying to him, is that leading with love? Your job first and foremost is to take care of you. That's your number one job in the world is to take care of yourself, to look after yourself. No one, no one is gonna be responsible for that job to nearly the extent that you are in your lifetime. You are the only person who has always been there for you. You're the only person who has woken up with you every morning of your life and gone to bed with you every night. On the hardest nights in your life, in the most difficult moments in your life, every time you were in your bedroom crying over something, every time you thought, your world was ending. You were the only person that has been there every second mm. of every day for your entire life. Your job, your job, not because you're so special, but because it's your job is to look after yourself. And when someone is going mm -hmm. through a heartbreak and a guy or a woman keeps texting you, and you keep responding out of this misguided sense of love, mm. you are deeply wounding every time the one person you're supposed to show more love to than anybody, the one person that you have custody over, that you, your mm. job in your life is to take care of. You're, you're wounding that person over and over again. And people do that in the name of love all the time. They are masochists to themselves in the name of love, I, but I love them. And it, it has to stop. And those feelings don't matter. I really believe your feelings about mm. someone, if that person can't deliver, mm -hmm. if they can't give you what you need, if they can't show up for you, your feelings towards them are irrelevant. Is that why you think people find it very difficult to forgive because they can't get over the fact that they've betrayed themselves? Why do I think people find it hard to forgive? I, well, I think someone we still want in our lives, we have to learn to forgive on some level. I think that it's hard to forgive when we feel so, well, A, so angry, but B, so, so wronged. Mm. If I forgive this, it's almost, it's saying I've moved on from it. Mm. And because I emotionally haven't moved on from it, I feel like there would be something inauthentic about my yeah. forgiveness. I'd be saying I forgive you, but it wouldn't, it would be hollow. So true. Um, God, I love everything you're saying, dude. And 
if someone is, I really hope people are listening to your advice. It's so freaking powerful. It really does allow them to take ownership of their own life. Um, so let's say everyone's listening to you. They get it. They've left the relationship. Oh my God. Yes, it was toxic. It, I was letting myself down. I need to build my confidence. How do you, because this is what happens. And I'm sure you hear a lot of this. People bring their past into the present. They cannot let go of the toxicity from the past relationship, mm. from the hurt of the last relationship. And you said it earlier, right? Confirmation bias. So then go into the next relationship and it was like, oh, because let's say their ex did it. Yeah. Oh, he did that. It must mean this is a toxic relationship and they bail. Like they yeah. don't give it the investment that any relationship may need because they've already written it off. Yes. There are, so what we're talking about here in a sense is, is a form of trust. Yeah. How do you trust the next time round that it will be different? I think that we focus on the wrong thing there. Mm. I think that we focus on, and, and actually I think a lot of advice that's given gets people to focus on the wrong thing because a lot of people say, you have to trust, you know, this is a different person. This is a different situation. You have to go in trusting. And it's, it's like, it might be a different person might be the same person all over again. I mean, you don't know. The point is you don't know and you can't know. You can't know how someone might disrespect you, cheat on you, lie to you, you betray you. You can't know. And if you can't know, reassuring someone that this, you can trust them. It's gonna be okay. It's pointless. Why reassure them something that you and them can't possibly know? Mm -hmm. So rather than try and control this thing that's uncontrollable, that's kind of just a dead end, it's a loop that you have to go on of reassurance, freaking out again, reassurance, freaking out again. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of other ways of looking at it. You don't have to trust someone else if you trust yourself. That's the first thing. And by trust yourself, mm -hmm. I mean, if. A lot of people are afraid that they're going to get into another relationship, that they're going to get close to someone, that that person's going to hurt them. But their experience has shown them in the past that when someone hurt them like that, they didn't necessarily have the strength to walk away. They didn't necessarily have the strength to rebuild themselves afterwards. You know, I had a woman come to me and she said, I, I, I you know, she had children from a previous marriage and her husband cheated on her. And she said, I find it difficult to trust in the next thing. I said, but you can trust yourself far more this time. Because she said, I, I was in that marriage 20 years. And I, I, and I knew seven years ago that there were problems, that this person was unfaithful. And I stayed in it year after year. And it scared me off of trusting someone. I said, but you eventually left, right? You, you're not who you were seven years ago where you found out and then stayed for seven years. You're who you are today who actually had the strength to leave. And understanding that is the key to self-trust. We've learned how to deal with certain situations. We've learned how to walk away faster. We've learned how to spot red flags in a way that our 21-year-old self was far too naive to or ignored. We know what to pay attention to these days. So it's not like we have to go around playing detective next time or worrying, are they going to cheat? Are they going to do that? Well, they might just make peace with it. In, in California, there might be an earthquake. Mm -hmm. You and I aren't sitting here like this just in case there's an earthquake, are we? Like, 
at any point this could happen. Yeah. No, you you know, you have Get your procedure. Like if there's an earthquake, we're going to stand in a certain part of the house that's the safest and, and now get on with life. You, you don't trust that someone's never going to betray you. You just trust that you'll be able to handle it if they do, that you'll be able to walk away. That's a massive key to it. Stop worrying about whether you can trust someone else. Maybe you can't. We don't know that. Only time will tell if you can trust somebody else. That is a pointless waste of your energy to worry about. Worry only about yourself. So that's the first argument for trusting is that just trust you. Don't trust them, trust you. I can walk away if I need to. Mm. Um, there's also the standards argument for trust, which is that I'm gonna trust and, and you know, what happens when we don't trust is we suffocate people, we get overly jealous, we get controlling, we start playing detective in their life in a way that invades their privacy, steps over their boundaries. We start doing things that are unfair to the other person. Mm -hmm. And we start damaging the relationship for a fear that hasn't necessarily even come true yet. Now the relationship is getting damaged, not because of, the not because of what they're doing, but because of the way we're now violating the integrity of the relationship. So you have to have a standard that says, I'm gonna play my part in creating a beautiful relationship. I'm gonna give this person space, enough to hang themselves, enough to betray me. I have to, that's what a great relationship is. I have to give you enough space where you can betray me, where you can do something wrong. It can't be that you only don't betray me because I'm monitoring you the whole time. <laughs> yeah, the threat of it. <laughs> right, that's not, now I don't know what I have if the, only, if, if the conditions for you not betraying me are that you're under surveillance. Mm -hmm. I only know what I have if I give you complete freedom to do it and you don't. Mm -hmm. So my standard has to be, I'm gonna trust not because you're never gonna betray me, and I know that for sure, I'm going to trust because that's my standard for the kind of relationship I want to be in. The phrase, he's just not that into you. When right. that phrase came out, me and my husband had this big, massive debate about that phrase. Because he was like, yes, like if you're wondering why he's not making a move, he's just not that into you. It's as simple as. And what I came back as like, but sometimes you say it's as simple as, and other times it's not because you're giving me signals. You're telling me you want to be with me. Sometimes you are but then you disappear again. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like it's very messy. It's very intertwined with messaging and signals on both sides. I'm not actually saying just for men, it's also the women, I'm sure. Um, so how do we know when something isn't that complicated and it is exactly how they say? And other times it's actually way more complicated and there's this whole underlying message that maybe we're, trying to read into or want to read into, hmm. how do we decipher those things? Life can be complicated. And sometimes people will come up with all sorts of logical reasons why they can't invest right now, why they need to take a break, why they, you know, whatever logistical difficulties there are in the two of you being together, you're far apart, you, that person runs their own business and they haven't got much time, whatever it may be. They may be giving you logically sound reasons as to why it's, they're not able to give you what you want or why they would be doing this, but, and then what happens is people get entangled in all of that logic. 
And I think the way to simplify that and make it uncomplicated is simply to say, whether or not this logic is true is not for me to figure out. So many women take on the problem. You tell me it can't work out because of these reasons, and I see a problem to solve. So they'll go, so you're saying that we can't be together because of because you're really busy with work. Well, listen, I could do this and you could do that and we could find time on weekends. We could like they start trying to solve the problem. And part of that is because they've created an expectation in their mind for what this could be. Right. We have a story. Story is very dangerous. Mm -hmm. Right. Because instead of watching in a relationship or dating scenario, instead of watching a story unfold, we've created the story before it's happened. People do this before they even get on a first date, right? They, they, you, you see some, someone asks you out, you start talking to someone and then you look them up on Instagram and, oh, wow. Oh, they're really cool. Oh, they're impressive. Oh, they seem nice too. Oh, they have family and they're close to those people and like they have a good life. And wow, this is exactly the kind of person I want. I think you, me and this person could really have some. You haven't even been on a <laughs> date with them yet. Right, so now what happens right. is our mind takes the 5% of what we know and uses it to build a story for the next 95%. So now, how do, you get, how do we get so damaged, so hurt, so heartbroken, so quickly? That's something that we're, like sometimes I think we shock ourselves. We think, Am I an insane person? I've been on one date with this person and I feel like I'm, an ex I'm experiencing a mini heartbreak because they didn't get back to me. Mm. What's happening here? What's happening is we created a story that hasn't been earned yet. Why do we do that though? Because we want it. On one hand, we want it. We want it to happen. We're a biased judge of the situation. We can't be trusted, right? We, we want it to happen. So we're trying to find any evidence for that story that we're looking to create. I want to find the love of my life. I want to see someone as perfect. I want to, so we're looking for evidence of that. So we start filling in the gaps and our brains, it's not like we do this consciously. But our brains make so many calculations and we do it in the other direction too. We do it, you know, if, if we've got insecurities and someone goes out one night and they don't text us for an hour or two, who are they talking to? They're, talk they're at that party, you know, and, and I knew they were going to go to that party, but now that they've not texted me for a couple of hours, they're talking to someone attractive. I wonder if they're flirting. Maybe that, I think they're flirting. Two and a half hours, they still haven't texted me? What the hell? Now we start building up a, a, a story, right? And we create this reaction. I heard a beautiful thing the other day, which is if, it's, if the reaction is hysterical, then it's historical, <laughs> right? Then, then it comes from our trauma, our wounds, our history, the beliefs that yes. have accumulated over time. So now what we're reacting to is not the situation but our past the situation is simply the thing that aggravated our past and now we create a story about the future based on that so instead of going in with a curiosity we go in with a conclusion Ooh. so i need to slow down the story that's happening this supercomputer is amazing but it's also extremely dangerous because it is creating a story at a rate that is unbelievable and the way that you slow down that story is that you start valuing a different thing. Instead of valuing potential, you start valuing the work that's actually happening in real time. There are, I always say there's four stages of importance in any relationship or potential relationship between two people. The first stage is 
just admiration, right? That's where I look at you, this person's beautiful, this person's intelligent, this person's, they've got all sorts of qualities that I really want in a person, admiration. Now that doesn't mean there's any kind of back and forth. By the way, you can have that for someone you've never met, someone you saw online, right? But you have a level of admiration. That's the first stage of importance, clearly not very important. Although even there, people put a ton of importance on it. I found someone I like. <laughs> it's you so found true. a person. Hmm. You found a person. But it isn't doesn't... it also good to be excited? You can be excited, okay. but about the right thing. You could be excited hmm. that you think someone's awesome, but not about what you have together yet because mm -hmm. you have nothing together. Right. Right. So admiration is the first stage. The second stage is connection, or you could say connection, connection or chemistry or both. That's where we have a kind of mutual admiration. There's some connection, there's some chemistry, there's something that's an exchange between us where we both feel something. Again, not very important because you can feel it with a lot of people and that it's no indicator of investment, right? It, that, and this is where people get real caught up Women tell me the most horrific stories about who a guy is, about how little he invests, about how much he's disrespectful. But we have such a great connection, Matt. Mm -hmm. Listen, our connection, like that's the thing. And they want me to buy into this idea that stage two is super important. But I don't, because I know it's not. The third stage is commitment. The third stage is there's admiration, there's mutual connection or chemistry, and there's a yes. You and I have actually said yes to each other. You want to be with me? Yeah, I want to be with you. Okay, we're doing this. Now there's an actual connect, uh, commitment. That's beautiful. Now we're into something important. But there's a fourth stage, and the fourth stage is compatibility. Beyond chemistry, beyond connection, beyond us both saying yes, there also needs to be compatibility in the way we want to live our lives, in the stage of our lives that we're in. Do they work? You know, we, we, this is why one of the reasons that relationships with, with big age gaps can struggle. They can work, but they also struggle because you've got two people often in very different stages of their lives. And there's a compatibility issue there, even though there's connection and chemistry, and even though they're both saying yes, now you have the problem of compatibility issues. Or you have the problem of compatibility issues because one person you know, their idea of a good time is going out and drinking every night of the week. And another person's idea is, you know, to go on hikes and to, you know, be healthy and to, they value the morning, the other person values the night. So now you have a compatibility issue. And there are many relationships that end, not on the fact that they haven't said yes to each other, but on the fact that they're not compatible. And we always want to believe that, you know, love is all you need, right? <laughs> we want to believe that, that if we just love each other enough, but actually the many, many people have experienced in their lives, the cold hard truth is that you need two people who also work together. And so the reason I say all of this about these four stages, and to give you one more kind of metaphor for this, because it's important that, you know, when you meet someone on a date, that's like, that's like discovering that, and you both like each other, that's like discovering a great plot of land. It has potential, but there's nothing to mourn over right now. And when two people decide we're going to start investing, that's like two builders who start building a castle on that land. They start building whatever their castle is, you know, but they start building this amazing thing, this amazing investment on this land and it becomes theirs. 
becomes ornate and unique and there are secret rooms no one else knows about and there are you know all these details that are the fabric and the colors and the textures of their relationship that makes it uniquely theirs right there's many ways to build but this one is theirs and that's what makes it special people are not valuing the castle they're valuing the connection mm -hmm. they're not valuing stages one through four together they're valuing stage two or stage one just i just admire this person or i just have a connection with this person and when we start valuing the castle over the connection we'll start unwinding the story that's gotten too far ahead because we'll realize that story we have on the date where our mind has gone way too far and that's by the way why we get so nervous is because the story is already happening in our mind and now we're getting nervous on why am i so nervous on this date it's okay to have a little bit of nerves but why am i like now paralyzed i can't be funny i'm not charming i'm not telling any interesting stories i'm just frozen why am i that nervous because I've gone way into the future as if the castle's already been built, when actually all it is is a fantasy set of blueprints right now.